You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United. And part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe, join the community, do whatever, engage with us, uh, get in touch with us on social as well. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Uh, Shout out for the social channels too on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders for me at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob and at Promise Land MU for the show Rob uh, Brighton four Man United nil is the most recent result. Uh, you know we're not gonna it's it's Tuesday now we we can't really spend too much time dwelling on this but God oh my <laughs> God oh my God indeed. And the worst thing, of course, Scott, is it's not really a surprise. You get a Brighton, the season's over. Brighton have played quite well. We've lauded Mr. Potter, haven't we, their coach. And what's he do? He does his little masterclass and smashes Man United to shreds. But yes, it's in the past now. <laughs> it still feels like the present. And I'm laughing because I'm over that hump of feeling complete sadness of the day. And now I'm just yeah. looking reflectively and saying, well, maybe in the future we'll look back at that 4 nil and go, those were the bad days, weren't they? And they've gone now. So fingers crossed. I'm sure uh, our new coach will be watching that game and thinking, I've got a lot of work to do and he's got to get to work very, very quickly. So Ajax finished this season this weekend, actually. They do. Uh, they, I, was, I was following the scores the other day and they took the lead at AZ went 2-1 down and scored a late equaliser, whereas PSV were at final, went 2-0 up and conceded two late goals. And now mm-hmm. Ajax just have to win one of the next two games. I think they play either tonight, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and then at the weekend as well, fin- will finish their season. They could even win the league in the next 48 hours or so as we record this, which should be some good news, um, even if it's not directly related to Man United. Well, I'm claiming that Eredivisie title for Manchester United. <laughs> so when so Eredivisie... United, apparently. Have you seen that they, they put in stuff on the website about it now as well? <laughs> I know, they're tweeting about it and doing all sorts. Yeah. Like Ajax is like our feeder club or something like that. No offence to Ajax fans. But um, but yeah, we will claim that trophy because anything is good for us. I think when Eric lands, he can bring that famous Dutch shield that everyone always goes, what's that? When, when anyone in Holland lifts it and abroad, you kind of think... It's a strange trophy, but we'll take it. We'll put it in the trophy room at Old Trafford and people can go and do their 3,000 tours that they do around Old Trafford and see our latest and greatest piece of silverware. 
Uh, we'll touch on at the end of the show an actual trophy that United could win the youth team play in a final on Wednesday night. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but Nottingham Forest, 63,000 tickets as it stands sold. Yeah. Uh, United taken to the club website to brag about that as well. It's pretty remarkable, to be fair. But we will, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, but Rob, uh, the Brighton game, I don't even think that was the most embarrassing defeat of the season, which is quite bad. <laughs> Isn't it? It, it? I think. I think for me, in football terms, it was the lowest point of the season because all the other low points have been leading to this kind of destination. It's like a graph that slowly goes like this. Look, the season is over. In the context of of the campaign, it doesn't mean anything. Do we care if we're sixth or seventh or twelfth now or whatever? It doesn't really matter. I but, care for sixth, yeah, what matters though, Scott, is the 90 minutes when you're watching it as a fan. When you're watching those players be as pathetic as they are, all the leaders in the team that get paid tons of money. You know, we're not a club, are we, that's a mixture of youth and aged players. You know, we, we haven't got this balance. They're all pretty experienced, aren't they? So for them to go out there, lose 4-0 like they did, and just see some of the defending, the kind of the madness of like running back out of position and hands, you know, all over the place and, you know, Bruno crying like he does every week and all of the same stuff. And at the end of the game, it was still Paul Pogba's fault. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Kind of how, how it sold back to the masses. Um, but what we do know, of course, is this football team is rotten. It's the end of Ralph Ragnick's tenure. I think we just have to swallow it and move on, but it was tough you know it's a tough pill to swallow and it feels like that pill was like this big you know it's like how do you swallow something like that but at the same time you know we're about to win the Eredivisie so we're almost there what do you what do you make of the criticism that Ralph's had over the last few days for the way that he's because obviously at the back end of last week he he basically hung the club out to dry and said yeah the club didn't want to sign a forward uh you know the scout said there was no nobody available uh, no, Luis Diaz was on the market, you know, Dusan Vlajevic was on the market, Julian Alvarez was on the market, mm-hmm. but we didn't want to spend any money. But, you know, buying for an interim manager, you know, here or there. But what do you make of Ralph actually saying that? And because I've seen criticism coming his way for not only the interim spell that he's had in charge, and I think we both agree that United have been awful under his, you know, management probably circumstances out of his control. But at the end of the day, he is responsible for getting the results and he's not getting them. But he's calling out United from within uh, and he's got some criticism for it. So what do you make of that? I love it. So do I. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Look, we, I said in, in our jobs in this industry and how we work with football clubs and managers and the structures of teams, you get a lot of waffle. You get a lot of stuff that's hot air that's to generate clicks and hits and is just kind of like, yeah, especially in pressers. You know, so many coaches have said to me over the years, I can't really say what I want to say in a press. It's kind of pointless me being here. But Ralph is just being honest. He's being honest because Manchester United are a joke. You know, so he is a guy that's got a contract with Man United for the next two years. He's even declared, you know, what, what he wants his role to be, that he will talk to Eric Ten Hag. He will be that guy on conference calls, like we said before. I don't think he's going to be anyone particularly serious. Yes, he must carry the can for results because he is the manager. But I think anyone that watches the team and feels that they're connected to this team emotionally 
and psychologically, we all know that this is not Ralph Ranick's fault. We all know it. And when you watch a team lose 4-0 to Brighton, that's the kind of antithesis of it all, isn't it? Because these players just don't want to do it. Doesn't matter. You could have Pep in charge, Klopp in charge. It doesn't matter. This lot are on holiday and the season's not gone the way they wanted to. And they've got no resilience. They have no idea about adversity and they've died on the football pitch. And that's where you live. So I think that Ralph, being honest, I've heard, I saw Rio Ferdinand kind of jump yeah. out and say, you know, uh, you know, we've had Rio on our show here before. Rio's talked about stuff about the football club and he's gone, oh, you know, it, it should be kept in the dressing room. Really? Well, what about all those players that have been putting leaks out for a while now? Do we talk too much about them? No, because they're a bit more faceless. Ralph has to face us as the press. He has to, you know, he's asked a question. He has to answer it. And his answer was, I wanted a striker. There was three forwards available in Europe, all really, really good. One guy in South America who's going to be a worldie and he's going to scare people next season at Man City. I'm telling you about Alvarez. Just don't sleep on him. United could have had him for 12 million quid. Would have helped us this year. Would have replaced Mason Greenwood. Man United said no. So this is where we are. It's the same in the past. Mourinho was told no. Solskjaer was told no about certain players. And Ralph was told no. So if Ten Hag is told no, we might see the same thing happen again. So we have to hope, fingers crossed, that Man United do the restructure and give the manager what he needs. Uh, we, we talked a little bit off air about this, but we're seeing, obviously, everything go to pot on the pitch, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, people leaving. Uh, and if you wanted any kind of idea... Um, about just how much in disarray United are. There's also murmurs now that United are unsatisfied with their social media output, which <laughs> uh, was was put out uh, <laughs> in a few places yesterday. Yeah, uh, it's Tuesday as we record this, but uh, yeah, on Monday I think uh, everything is a mess in there from top to bottom, bottom up, top down. Everything needs addressing. Every department of the football club is in a little bit of flux. Now, winning solves a lot of those things. If you can find a way to win, these things tend to sort themselves out. But you said there about United social media. It is a joke. You know, the stuff they put out and the content they put out is not sympathetic to where Man United are today. You know, we, we talked off air again about some of the... Like, we're talking here about Ajax and joking about it, where Man United are kind of using it as some of their central hub for their content. You know, like, oh, look, look what Ten Hag's doing you really shouldn't be bothered about that. You should be more bothered that you lost 4-0 at Brighton and then you might lose 4-0 at Crystal Palace, you know? So you, you go into those games, they are more important. But I don't know with the social media team, like, this is something that I think... Would, you, would you like to shop from United Direct, Rob? I'm hearing that there's... Uh, <laughs> I'm hearing that there's an end-of-season sale on. The away kit, the, the third kit is £25 at yeah, the moment. I know. <laughs> £25. <laughs> Like, Michael, what can you buy at Man United kit-wise for £25 over the last 10 years? So I think that actually shows where they are. And that's with Ronaldo on the back, £40 with Ronaldo on the back. But, um, you know, the, the shirt-selling connoisseurs that we are, you know, these things don't really matter on a football pitch. And United have got to find a way now to become a football club again. And football being the most important part of that term, football club. Club doesn't mean we're a commercial adidas outlet it couldn't be like that but man united of course have courted all of that rubbish for many many years in case you haven't noticed the tone of the first 10 minutes 47 48 seconds of this as i as i count that down uh 
I'm just having a laugh about it now. It's, it's so pathetic. If you don't Everything laugh, you'll cry. So if you don't laugh, you cry. Uh, and yeah, let's let's get into it, Rob. Let's get into the transfer stuff because that's all we got to look forward to, really. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure that the club social media team will really, really appreciate the, the amount of mentions and engagements that they get with all the transfer targets that they are linked with, even though they don't want everyone. They've been rejected by Karim Adeyemi in the last few days, according to his agent. They've been rejected by Erling Haaland, uh, you know, well, we've known for a long time that United weren't really in the running for Erling Haaland. Uh, they had the chance to sign him in, was it Jan 2020 or Jan 2019? Mm. I really mixed the years up. Uh, but United or Haaland was, or Haaland's camp were pushing for a release clause in the contract. And I think United were probably justified in not putting that in there because now if he had joined and they were getting Haaland picked off for 63 million or whatever by Man City or Real Madrid or something like that, it would just end up probably worse <laughs> in a sense than yeah. missing out on him completely. So he's going to City. Uh, what do you make of that? Obviously, with Erlen Haaland connected with Manchester United for a long time, obviously, before he even went to Dortmund. And the bits that we obviously do know is that I think he's met them two or three times, his representation over the years. Because United were in with the chance, you know, he was interested in Manchester United going back over these two or three years. Obviously, there's that connection with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That connection has now gone. He also has a connection with Ralph Rangnick with the Red Bull system. That will also be going kind of in real time. So he signed for Manchester City. And the reason for that, we hear, is that he wanted a sporting project. A project that he could be central to, where he can help them win trophies, where he will be one of the big superstars and playing, of course, for a Hall of Fame coach like Pep Guardiola. Ticks all the boxes for him. They're going to get him, Scott, for like 63 million. And like you said there, that is something that Man United couldn't entertain. And, and at the time, I remember when we were working behind the scenes on the deal and, and putting news out and looking at some of, the, some of the more details of it, that was the big stickling point. Man United said, we cannot do that. And I agree with them. I don't think you can in business terms. Not in not in reality. You could not have a player that you were forced to sell. And all the information that came out about Haaland yesterday, and I, I've heard this from very, very credible sources, Dortmund haven't really got a clue what's going on. Dortmund are being dictated to by the player, by the representat representation, and by Man City. Well, it's all in so, their hands, isn't it? That all, all City have to do is pay a fee. It's all in their hands, but it's not good business. It's not It's not good protocol. It's not the way that the football industry works itself. You don't have this kind of aggressive kind of moves for players. You normally still have to do it in an order, Scott. And basically what they've done is, now nah, we're, the, we're doing the medical, we're doing a picture, we're putting it out on socials, and we're away, we're having to play. And of course, that's their right to do that. It's still not the correct way to do it. It's not the right way to do things, but it's a new way, isn't it? So Harlem will go to Manchester City. I think he'll be an incredible talent now. I think he'll do really, really well. I do think... how many captains he's going to score or City cut the ball back. Yeah, but do you know what? And this is not playing devil's advocate. Pep Guardiola's style of football is very defined. Yeah, his front six do a certain amount of work. Tactical, on the ball, off the ball. I'm not saying that Haaland can't do it because I think Haaland will score you 30 goals with his eyes closed. But City could be a different team next year. And if they're a different team you might be able to puncture them in matches. You might be able to find ways to hurt them that you've not been able to find in the last two or three years. The reason why City haven't replaced Aguero 
is because they moved away from a centre-forward style of play. They wanted to move away from it. They did. They've been very good, haven't they? But Haaland means that they will have to do something a little bit more traditional. So I'm up for that. I think that's the, that's a challenge for Ten Hag to look at that and for Klopp and everyone else and Conte is to look at the new Manchester City with Haaland up top and say, yes, they're very good, but can we hurt them? And I think the answer to that definitely, 100%, is yes. It'd definitely be quite funny again if City failed to win the Champions League after signing Haaland. Uh, well, this anyway. is the gamble. This is what they're doing. They're rolling the dice, aren't they? They're getting him and they're going, this is, the re- this is going to win us the Champions League. And and he might be their Ruud van Nistelrooy. He mm. might be the guy that scores all the goals, but ultimately might hold them back a little bit at times. Because I did think that Harry Kane would have been a better fit for them. But... Kane, yes, Kane would have played great. definitely in that 10 role and dropped in mm. and out a little bit more. Haaland does drop out the box. You know, we get a little bit techie here, but but he will join play up. But his job is, of course, to score goals. That's what he wants to do. It's his mandate. So let's see. I think, you know, it's an exciting to have another top player in the Premier League, something we can talk about, um, even though it's not at our football club. But now it's over to Manchester United. They have got money in the pockets. They're going to have a big wage bill, big void in there to be able to get players. And they must choose the right players. So that's my next question. Uh, we spent a little bit of time on City there. Yep. Not intentionally uh, to talk about Man City, but in the context of how will United react to this? Because obviously we know that... I think Ralph in his press conferences, and obviously he talked to me the other day about signing a forward, has basically intimated that he thinks having a forward is perhaps the most important position. Um, you know, will this trigger? will this move trigger United into signing a striker? Do they need one? They do need one anyway, don't they? And will it be Darwin Nunes? I think it will be Darwin Nunes, just to kind of put that out there. And and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, I think the thing is, is that scoring goals is obviously the most important thing in football. That's how people view it. Fans view it like that. Football clubs view it like that. But more than that, it's about how do you build your team around the ability to score goals? How do you give yourself the best chance? The day that the Mason Greenwood thing happened... And we know how that was just kind of a bombshell that dropped. Manchester United needed to think differently, and it didn't. I think what you're seeing with Ralph Ranick and what he's saying with his comments, and he's, he's alluding to it without saying it, is that putting the season on a 37-year-old shoulders and expecting him to get you where you need to be was a bit silly. Liverpool went and got Luis Diaz to help them go and win a title and get to a Champions League final. That's how serious clubs do business. Go and get what you need. Man United didn't. So Man United are now left kind of stuck in the mud. You know, the bridesmaid looking at the bride, of course, like we have been for 10 years. So I think with Ralph Ranić and what he's saying about having a striker, yes, you do need a striker, but you now got to go and get the right striker. And the right striker, I think, at the moment, as it stands, is Darwin Nunes. He wants to come to the football club. There's no doubt he's going to end up in the Premier League. It just depends whether Man United put together the deal that he needs to get him there. He's not going to cost the earth. You know, I think he's a very affordable option. When we're talking 50, 60, 70 million now, it's affordable now, Scott. It's not like the old days where you think, oh, 20 million, that's a lot for a player. It's, it's just not anymore. You need to be able to pay those fees and get on with it. You know, so Darwin Nunes, I think, is an affordable option. But I do think United need more than Darwin Nunes. You need another striker. I think you need to bring two in. So if you're losing Cavani, the whole Greenwood thing, I think you're effectively losing him. Rashford's form has gone out the window. You're probably going to lose Martial. That's four goal scorers. Bruno Fernandes has decided he's going to stop scoring. 
That's five. You need players that help you score goals. Man United need to rebuild their midfield and their attack. And it starts in those central positions. And they have positions. awful fullbacks and they need a centre-back. <laughs> awful fullbacks. The, the, the whole thing is rotten. You know, like there is only probably two players who've lived up to any standard this year, and that's Cristiano and David De Gea. And yet they're nowhere near perfect. They're nowhere near what to get to get you where you want to be. It's just that they've not looked as bad as some of the others. So, yeah, fullbacks, central midfielders, you need eights, you need tens, you need sixes, you need wingers, you need inverted wingers, you need forwards, you need centre forwards. Oh, my God, you're going forever. Man United have got deficiencies in all of those positions that I've just named. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Darwin Nunes, I think, is on. He wants to come to the club, and I think that is the first bit of important news on this is that he likes Man United and the big thing coming from his camp also is that Champions League football will not decide where he goes that is important for Man United because we can't offer him Champions League football so it's about giving him the press do you not think that thing about like Champions League football being it's so crucially important to a deal is massively overplayed because it's one season (laughs) You know, if, if things go together properly, United should even... Like, it'll be a challenge for the next season, but they should still be expected to finish in the top four next season. If, if you are Arsenal or Tottenham, getting Champions League football is really important to your next year's spend of what you can do with players. Manchester United, as what it is as a football club, can go to players and offer them something that those other clubs cannot. It's as simple as that. It doesn't mean you're better than them. It's just that you, like Real Madrid, like Barcelona, and even Liverpool to an extent, you can go and knock on people's doors and say, we haven't got Champions League football this year, but it's 200 grand a week and we want it next year and we want you to be the face of that. That's very, very powerful. It's very, very intoxicating for players. So it's harder, I think, for other clubs to do. If you're West Ham, if you don't get top four, you simply have to go then shopping in in another level of transfer market. It's just a truth. Doesn't particularly hurt you, but that is the truth. So I think with Man United, Darwin Nunes, you know, West Ham want Darwin Nunes. They're going to have to offer him something different. He needs Champions League football. As a, as a, they did as try a, and get him in January. That is how it works. I always go back to the Zlatan Ibrahimovic one, where Zlatan came to the club, and we weren't. We were in the Europa League, and people were like, "But surely you would have gone from you gone from PSG, a team that wants to win the Champions League, to Manchester United." And he said just straight up, he was like, "Man United are one of the biggest clubs in the world." That's why I'm here. You know, I want to wear this badge. So I still think that there are lots of players that fall into that category. More players fall into that category, Scott, than not. You know, you might not be able to go and get Erling Haaland because Erling Haaland wants to go to Man City, but you can get some really, really top talent. We'll talk about uh, the signings United need to make in a little bit, but I think we probably need to address uh, Paul Pogba's future first because, you know, it'll help the context of which signings United need to make because, yeah. you know, he's everyone knows he's out of contract in six weeks, plus a little bit. Uh, so at the end of June, he's out of contract. He has offers on the table from the likes of Juventus and Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. Uh, United is an option, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. But Manchester City, uh, their interest was publicised at the back end of last week. Yeah. Uh, but Paul Pogba has ruled that one out. So he's getting a lot of stick from the United fans, isn't he? Because every every time I put out a tweet about Paul Pogba, it absolutely divides 
everyone. It's, it's yeah. mad. It's honestly mad. I don't know if you have the same, but like all the time, people go absolutely mad one way or the other. They're either massively pro Pogba or massively against mm. Pogba. There's never so, been a player that does it. I, I cannot remember in my life. player I've ever seen. And, and the, the, the odd thing about it is that he doesn't really court a lot of it. Like, yeah, he might say a yeah. comment here and there, but nothing more than, say, Cristiano's ever said about his career and stuff like that. I do think, as I said before, winning is a tonic for everything. If you win, you can kind of just do whatever you want and no one really cares. Look at Marcus Rashford. You know, Rashford, when he was winning, people were fine with him. Now his form's off. It's like, you know, let's go after Marcus, isn't it? That's how it is. But I think with Paul Pogba, because he, he represents a certain type of modern footballer in the social media spectrum I'm talking about he's just there to be shot at all the time so I think he understands that but you're right you know I put a tweet out I can say you know Paul Pogba played well today and I will get half the replies saying yeah he's world class and the other half basically wishing him death and it is as kind as as dramatic as that it is it it actually is and it's frightening like I think that's the bit of football that's a little bit scary because one day these awful things something might perpetuate itself through social media you know i don't want to talk specifics but that's how it starts isn't it so i i think with paul pogba um i'd still want to keep him because i don't i don't think you can go on the market and find someone better than paul pogba but the problem is now scott if you do keep him he will be vilified even more by man united fans so where do we know what do we know about paul pogba at the moment paul pogba has turned down manchester city that's what we know so he there was first talks with Manchester City going back to last year behind the scenes, obviously with Minerola. Um, uh, kind of around, I think, before Christmas time, and it was just all chat, chit chat. There was nothing really kind of there, but obviously, the last week it's it's been it's accentuated because obviously it's the same representation as Erling Haaland, the things have been talked about. But Paul Pogba has said he doesn't want to go to Man City, he doesn't feel that that would be the right move for him. Because it's not worth about Manchester United as well. I think he understands the legacy part of it. He doesn't want to carry what Carlos Tevez carried. He's not interested. Carlos Tevez didn't care. Went, all right, I'm going to Man City. I'm going to win. Whereas I think Paul Pogba still thinks he can win in other places. But like you said there, there is still a contract offer on the table from Man United. So I'm definitely not discounting it. It might be a 10% chance that he signs that deal. But he might. The day he, he talks to Ten Hag about it, Go and do your work, Eric. You know, will Eric be able to talk him around? If not, thank you very much, Paul Pogba. I don't think he's nearly been as much of a disaster as people say in the six or seven years. Um, I still think he's a great player. I still think he'll go somewhere and absolutely rip it up. So do I. Uh, but uh, apparently, you know, enough people have told me that, yeah, he's a system player. Of course, I hate that. I hate that. But I don't like the whole thing. Any any player needs to play in a team that is well balanced and created, like in the manager's image to succeed. You're only as good as the players around you. It's always, it's absolutely the truth. Like when you see Bernardo Silva doing so well for Manchester City, you know, it's a completely different player to Paul Pogba, but he's part of a system. You know, and as I said there about Erling Haaland going to Man City, if that system changes, you might find it's not about Erling Haaland's game it will be about the other five around him. So someone like Jack Grealish might benefit. Someone like Raheem Sterling might not. You know, so it, it's that kind of thing about the system. And systems win you titles. This is bottom dollar. Liverpool are great because of their system. City are great because of their system. It's the play. People in it, yes, they, they perpetuate victories. However, 
and this is the whole thing with Man United. If Paul Pogba had a good midfield around him and a solid defence and some good attackers, might he be better? I think so. Yeah. Uh, instead, he's had Nemanja Matic, who was brought in probably a little bit too late. And now we see that Nemanja Matic, as good as he can be, you know, he's, he's at the tail end of his career. Paul, Paul Pogba has options on the table from the likes of Juventus. He had a great time there. But Juventus aren't exactly on the best arc at the moment, are they? I think they've, they've managed top four this season, but they're not the Juventus that they, they were. PSG, yeah. all right, you win a few, few league titles, but obviously have a massive problem in the Champions League every year too. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is, his dream always was that if he did leave Man United, he wanted to go to Spain. He wanted to play for either Barcelona or Real Madrid. It was it was a toss-up. So obviously when they had Zinedine Zidane, they're going back in time at at, uh, at Real. There was those links, you know, and it made sense, you know, could see his future there, but it couldn't work a deal out. Now, those two football clubs, as rich as they still are and as appealing as they still are, cannot offer the same deals that Premier League clubs can. Just the simple bottom-dollar truth. Man United are still more powerful in the wage market and the commercial market for footballers. So there is that. But I do think with Paul Pogba, you know, just said about his ambition, he is a Parisian. You know, that could be something on his CV he'd like to do, go back to Paris. Dan does turn up there as well. Yeah, of course. But I I do think as well, there's something in his family about Paris Saint-Germain where they they actually don't like PSG. I think they're they're Marseille fans. They're all Marseille fans. And that is a little bit like Liverpool United. It is a little bit like that. It's the hatred is of that level. They do see the, not... He was linked in... Was it January? Or it, mm. was a, it was a while ago now, but there were banners and all this stuff about not bringing him to Paris. PSG fans don't want him, so there is that. But does he want them? Uh, Pogba has a sense of loyalty. Like he, Again, he's talked about these things in the past. Um, so that makes PSG difficult in the same way that Man City is difficult for him because he does have those loyalties. So I think, as you said, the Juventus he could go back to, but he's kind of done it and Juventus are not the same football club that they once were. So that doesn't give him as many options as maybe people think. So this is why I keep saying that the Man United option still might be attractive to him because as I said, he's a family man. He's, he's settled in the Northwest and he said that he's really happy in England. Generally, when a player's happy in a country, they don't like to move on wherever they are, whoever they are, whether they are French or English, or American, or whatever. So I still think that it's on the table, and I still think that, that especially also with his, cha- his, his uh, change of representation now, it's still part, obviously, of the Riola business. Um, it's not the same person leading it, is it? So it's going to be uh, family members that are doing it. And that's why this is now getting out a little bit more, because there are chats going on about where Paul Pogba can land next. Yeah, uh, as we said earlier in the show, Eric Ten Hag's season with Ajax finishes this week, or this yeah. weekend. So, and I think I've read somewhere in the last few weeks that he'll go straight to Manchester um, before to kind of sort a few things out yeah. and then going on a holiday before the preseason, pre-season tour starts because there's a lot of things to address. That's probably a, quite a smart move, to be honest, as well, because there's a lot of stuff to sort out there. And Pogba we, will be one yeah. of those things. We, we hear that he's already doing the job. So I know he's managing Ajax. Yes, he wants to win. He was doing all those things. No, he has but... complete complete interest in only Ajax. <laughs> uh, I, I like the way that in his presser the other day, again, did the right thing. Don't want to talk about Man United. They talked about his song and he was like, oh, yeah, it's very creative. Really like it. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool, like how he, he kind of pitched that. But how can you not think about it as well? You know, that's the other side of it. Is that, and, and Ajax know this. I think this is why they timed it as late as they could. 
because they didn't want to obviously affect their season. And I think, again, at Ajax, not saying they're small or anything like that, but at the end of their campaign, they kind of just want the best for everyone at their club, you know. So if, if Ten Hag wants to leave, they're going to let him leave because that was that was pre-agreed a long time ago. Um but can they exist with Manchester United's problems? Well, yes, they can because they're just getting on with what they do. So I think that's 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 more the line, the party line. But yes, he is already having those discussions. We're hearing this coming out. He's not actively the face of Man United at the moment, but he's certainly pulling strings. So, Rob, you put a tweet out uh, on Monday about the signings that you would make. Now, <laughs> we, t- we, spoke there about- football. <laughs> we spoke there about Paul Pogba. I don't expect him to stay, and neither I don't think you do no. either. But we we know that there there's a small chance. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. There's a small chance. Um, but whether he does stay or not, United need to do need to address the midfield area. Yeah, uh, I think they probably need at least two <laughs> in the next. Uh, maybe not this summer, but in the next uh, few transfer windows, I think they'll need at least two in there. Mm-hmm. With Matic going, Pogba potentially going. Jimmy Garner will come up, um, but you know he's going to need some time. The fullbacks are awful, as we've said on previous shows. David De Gea, not the long-term answer. United need a left centre-back, probably. They need a right winger, probably. They need a striker, <laughs> Darwin Nunes, as we spoke about. What signings would you make this summer, Rob? <laughs> well, here's my like metaphorical checkbook, and I'm signing them all now. Um, I think, again try to look at this from a technical point of view, take my fans hat off, put something more salient on. I think you need to get rid of 10. That's the starting block. You need 10 off your wage bill to start the process hashtag. You know, you need to find your method into the market. So you've just mentioned some of the names there. We don't need to go over who will be outgoing, but I think that you need to bring in at least five or six in this first window. Do you think they will? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Because I, I think the fact that you've got so many players out of contract, it just helps you. If you didn't have that and you were having to move people off your wage bill and you were putting energy into that, it's very, very difficult to then bring in players straight away off the back of it. It really is. Like if you're getting rid of, if you're having to get rid of three to bring in two, that's actually tougher than having 10 leave on, on freeze and freeing up your wage bill massively. And we're talking millions like we're not talking like tiny wages here. We're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. Bill Jones is on way over a hundred grand a week, you know, players that don't help you. And then you can go and get players that do help you and go and shop in marketplaces across the board. So I do think that United will bring in five or six. I really do. I think that will be, it'll be similar to the Mourinho year. You think they brought in, I think five that year, if you include Lindelof from the previous window. So they brought in Bailly, they brought in Mkhitaryan, they brought in Ibrahimovic, they brought in Pogba. It's big signings, you know, over a period of time, over a six-month period, um, costing plenty of cash. So Man United understand that that's what they need to do. Again, we hear that centrally. But it's how you do it and the players you go and get. So what did you say there? Three players that I mentioned. Um, I think you need to go and buy for a central midfielder. I think you need a centre-forward or someone that can play along the line. And you're right, I think you really need a centre-back now. That's become a pressing issue. Um, pressing. You wouldn't expect Eric Bailly and Phil Jones to leave this They're going well, to leave. If, if they can get Phil. Phil Jones has been leaving for four years. Uh, the, years. Cabs, the cabs are already booked for these players. They're on their way to wherever they're going next. And that's that. It's done. So these players are leaving. We, we know this. They're not going to stay. I doubt Ten Hag's going to look at 
the fringe and say, yeah, you're my solution to the issues. He's going to clear these players out. Um, but I think in terms of a, of a centre-back, I'm still very high on Pau Torres. I think you need a specialist on the left side of defence. I hear a lot people say to me, oh, he's not tough enough. He's not strong enough. Yeah. He doesn't. You, you haven't watched him, right? You haven't watched him play for Villarreal in La Liga and you haven't watched him play all these European matches. He's a top, top talent. Um, I used to hear the same about Diaz and Laporte, though. They used to say it all the time, oh, are they tough enough? Yeah, they're tough enough. Don't worry about it. Go and get them, let them play. But I think Laporte and Varane is a good starting point to be able to play out from the back. They're physical as well. They're quick. They can Horizon, do all of that. Right. We're not signing Laporte. <laughs> you said Laporte. What did I say? Did I say Torres and Laporte? Did I say we'll go and get you him? You said Laporte and Varane. I met, I met, I, I, sorry, I was getting my, my Manchester football clubs mixed up there. But yeah, of course, it's, it's, uh, it's finding a player that can complement the system, but also push the system on, make you better. And, and I think Powell is a, is a fabulous player and he's ready for that next step up. Are we a step up from Villarreal? Not quite sure. I think we are. Um, but then, of course, central midfielder. <laughs> up up top, I, I think Darwin Nunes is the perfect choice. There's certainly other strikers out there, you know, so it, it's not him or nothing. You know, if you don't get him, it's not the end of the world. Uh, and of course, central midfield, we've spoken about him a lot. I still think you pay the money to go and get Declan Rice. I cannot believe that people still tweet me and talk about Declan Rice like he is some faux version of Harry Maguire. I hear it all the time. Oh, the next Maguire. He really isn't. Like he could be the building block of any top team. He could get a Man City tomorrow and he'd rip it up, wouldn't he? You know, if he went to Chelsea, they would upgrade their midfield. If he went to Real Madrid, he'd make their midfield better. If he was at Barcelona, he'd make their midfield better. He's not this kind of cumbersome lump of a of a West Ham footballer. I think he's a really talented footballer. You know, hundred million Scott, I don't care how much the Glazers play for for players, pay it. Go and get him and build your midfield. It's not like they're gonna pay a hundred million up front. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, look, I, I do. I'll say this, yeah. And again, let's live in reality. I don't think Declan Rice is going anywhere this year because I think, in terms of his contract, West Ham know that if he gets another big year under his belt, then he, they can they can off they can charge even more money. It's a little bit like the situation with Jaden Sancho and Dortmund. But what happened there was that the price actually went down, so there was always that that risk that the buying club gets what they want. I think Man United would wait for Declan Rice. It's just whether Declan Rice wants to leave. And there is definitely some smoke there again. You know, I think that he would like to leave to go to a, a bigger club. Whether Manchester United are that club, I still think that's up for debate. But I do think they can go and get him. They can put a package together and say, yes, you are our next Brian Robson. Yes, you are our next Roy Keane. You're that type of player. And we can build around the inspirational qualities that you bring. Yes, indeed. I would. I, we spoke about this on the show many times. I think Declan Rice is absolutely sensational. Um, and, and, and I've said, and, and I also said before, like a year ago, two years ago, I was saying other stuff about Declan Rice. I was saying, well, he's good, but is he elite? Is he Champions League standard? Could he go up a level? And I wasn't sure. And then I watched him a lot and studied him a lot. And I'm convinced. I think he's brilliant. I really, really do. And I think he could be your next Brian Robson. As someone that loves Brian Robson, I don't say that lightly. I really, really don't. I think he could come to Man United, wear that armband, but make it mean something again. Yeah. Uh, just to touch on your points there, Rob, I think it at centre-back, You, I would be... I know Harry Maguire gets a lot of stick, right? I know he gets a lot of stick, but mm. I would be quite happy with a Varane, with Lindelof as an understudy. 
Torres with Maguire as an understudy. If they can manage that, if, if they can put that together and have those four plus a youth prospect maybe coming through to fill the gap, I don't think that's an awful bunch of options to have. It's just they need to be coached properly and put together properly and properly protected. Yeah. Uh, there's, like we say, Declan Rice will be an expensive signing. I don't really think West Ham will let him go this summer either, uh, but it remains to be seen. Darwin Nunes is a, I'd be right on board with him as well. But I think elsewhere, I think uh, on 90 Min today, you can check out uh, that Ralph Rannick has recommended Conrad Leimer from mm-hmm. RB Leipzig, who has one year left on his contract, uh, to Manchester United. As we know, people that Rannick recommends don't always be brought in to Man United. Well, no, nobody so far because they haven't made any signings. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Rannick certainly has an eye for talent. He's just named in his last press conference a few players that are doing quite well who yeah. might have been available for United to sign they didn't pull the trigger on. Yeah, uh, but- and Nordi Mukiele was also linked as well. He's another Leipzig player, obviously. Um, at right back too. Um, oh, should, we, should United be looking for value options that they can really elevate the value of? You should be looking for the right options. So that might sound very vague, but if the right option costs you 10 million quid from Hull and his name is Robertson, sign him. Yeah, that's the way you need to look at this. That's exactly what Liverpool have done. That's what City have done to an extent. But those football clubs have still spent a lot of money. So I don't think that when we talk about value, we're not talking about, you know, some, you know, going down the shops and picking a 3p can of beans out because it tastes the same as the 10p can of beans. It's not, it's not that. It's a balancing act. You have to find it. So like you just said there about centre-backs, and you mentioned Maguire and Lindelof and understudies. I don't think Lindelof and Maguire can be un- understudies. I think they have to be first choice, but maybe at lesser teams. So I think that if your first choice is Pau Torres... They're not getting rid of them this year, though, are they? Maybe well, you, well you, you say that, but I still think there's going to be takers. You, you know, you might have to lose some money on them, but if you can get their big wages off the bill, like they're on big contracts, these two boys, you know, like Lindelof and Maguire... They, they coin it in. They really, really do. So if you can start, if you're start as a Powell and Rafa Varane, then I'm happy for the backups to be Mengi and Tuanzebi. Yeah, they can go and sit on the bench and then you can progress with your build. And then if you go and need another centre-back in the next market, great. But don't have people sat on a bench on 250 grand a week, Scott. It's ridiculous. Have kids on your bench and players that are going to really only play when there's an injury or small, small minutes when you're integrating or maybe in the League Cup. So you can say, yeah, Mengi and Tuanzebe, you get a start. But I don't believe in all of That's where the build needs to be smarter. That's where it has to be. I still think if you can get Declan Rice, it costs you a ton of money, you pay it. Go get him. He's your starting point. He's the guy that starts every match. But I think those other guys in the fringe, I'm not happy with Lindelof and Maguire sat gonna, on the bench. You're going to need one of them, though, because Rafa Varane's injury record this season has been god-awful. You're going to need one of them, but have Lindelof and Maguire proven this year that they play well in the hardest situations for Man United? I think the answer to that is no. I don't believe that they deserve all the flack that they get. I don't believe that at all. But are they good enough? Scott, they can't run. They're slow. I don't want a Man United team that can't run. That's it. So when I look at those two boys... I think that I think you got talent. You can't run. Did you see the, the the Brighton game? Lindelof running back, yeah. And I just sat there, kind of slumped, going, "I've just seen this bad movie over and over and over again. I'd rather let him go, 
go get 20 million for him, 25 million, get his wage off there. Say to Axel to Nzabi, you've been awful out on loan, but you're coming back to a new manager. Prove it. Prove you're good enough. Because it wasn't that long ago we were talking about him being a future club captain two years ago. So uh, Mengi as well, not particularly ripped it up away from home, you know, on loan. But I think he's got talent. Bring these boys back, get Ten Hag, you know, sprinkling that, you know, magic dust over the players that he has done in the past with youth. Speak. Oh, lovely, lovely little lay in there because yeah. I was just going to change the topic to the Youth Cup final. Uh, as we were saying earlier in the yeah. show, uh, well, United played Nottingham Forest on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. United's website has put this out. We are proud to announce that ticket sales for Man United's FA Cup Youth FA Youth Cup final against Nottingham Forest have now exceeded the capacity of all other club grounds in Britain, which is. <laughs> great, it is a great achievement. Like, don't get me wrong, selling 63,000 tickets plus whoever turn up tomorrow night. A little bit of social and bragging then, tick. <laughs> it's a little bit of bragging, isn't it? It really is. Um, it's a great, it's, it's going to be a great turnout. Let's hope that the youth team can lift the trophy. Um, it's time for the kids to step up, isn't it? Because if they can prove themselves now, and this is a big statement game for them, if they can stand out in this game, Eric Ten Hag will. Right, I don't know when Ajax are playing, but he's going to get wind of this. You know, there's an opportunity to break in the first team next season. Your new manager will be watching on MUTV. So if you want a career at Man United and you're 17 and 18 years old and you've got anything up here, a little bit of gumption, you realise that you're on a huge stage. You've got a packed house at Old Trafford. Like There's, there's not many clubs in the world that could get more than 5,000 for a youth game, Scott like even the biggest teams in England, you just wouldn't get it. You just wouldn't. So this is part of our culture and our history. And we have to buy back into this. We have to find players for our youth system. So we've got some really, really good young players. Um, you know, started to call ourselves the Garnacho Reds. You know, it's kind of how it's going to be in the future. Hopefully, you know, he could be the future number seven for Man United. He could be the future Cristiano Ronaldo. Big kind of uh, big words for, for a young lad. But I think you've got players in that youth setup that could be really, really special. And and I think Ten Hag will see that as part of the build. So this is what we just said there about going and finding players. No, no, no. You don't need a five to ten million pound player all the time. I just need that. You know, two and Zabies are five to ten million pound player if you look at it in that way. Just go and look at what you already have and get this youth team and get these players coming through. Alang has been a nice surprise this year, and he's shown that if you give you the chance and that they take that opportunity, that they can be at the very least useful so this build is going to take two three four windows you've got to get some of these boys through and you know and good luck to them i really hope that they bring some silverware back to manchester united because if they do win it it will be celebrated wildly by man united fans yes indeed let's hope they can bring one of very very few positives to the club to the club season as a whole uh the women's team have done really well as well this year uh but a trophy at the end of it for the youth, the youth team would be fantastic. Let's uh, let's hope they can get over the line. Uh, and the class of twenty two does it start here? Do you know what oh, I mean? Wow. Is this is this it? You know the class of twenty. Yeah, the class of twenty two. Here we are. You know, you, it, all good things are built through systems of youth. Yeah, that's the best way to build dynasties. So let's just hope that these boys have got it. And you know, as I said the other day. Let's hope they're not the next Adnan Yanazai. Let's hope they're the next Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Yes, indeed, uh, Rob. We'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for your presence and your um, discussion points today. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to our channel, hit the like button, subscribe, and join the community. Leave a comment as well. Uh, the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just another reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromiseLandMU for the show. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you'd like us to discuss over the next few shows as well. Uh, let us know transfer targets that you would like to see rock up at Old Trafford, which players want to go, or which players you'd want to see go. Uh, I think it could be the entire squad, but I think that's a little bit unrealistic as it stands. So thank you very much for listening today, everyone, and we'll see you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.